Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. No doubt that 2020 is going to be remembered and will be referred to for decades, for a long, long time. I mean, it will be discussed, it'll be analyzed, it'll be debated for decades. There, there will be books, maybe even a miniseries, and uh, there'll be a course in college that will digest the and dissect the economic impact, the social impact, the political impact, the family impact, the medical impact of all the things we've gone through just this one year. You know, already there are seminars for church leaders and how to deal with this. And I told our, our staff at the very beginning of all this, when all these experts started coming out of the woodwork, telling churches what to do. And I told them, I said, you know, I just don't trust somebody's opinion that's never been through something. And because nobody's been through this before. And, you know, many of us, we lived through the civil rights era in the 60s and we uh, if you lived in the 60s, you saw the assassination of a president. Uh, you saw the assassination of a major uh, national leader, Martin Luther King. Uh, you saw a presidential candidate assassinated with Robert Kennedy. And, and if you're like me, you lived through the cultural uh, revolution of the 60s. You, you lived through the Vietnam War. Uh, you saw it broadcast every evening uh, after you had dinner. Um, you, you lived through the resignation of a president that had never happened before. And all this in about a 10-year span. And yet, we have not seen the collision of so many major issues as we have today. You know, the political division, that's on a whole new scale now. The social issues, the race issues, the health crisis, the educational upheaval, the financial reversals, the family and relationship um, that have been stretched. I mean, we have, we opened up our church to those kids who, uh, when they have their, um, online study and rather than being in the classroom, you know, we have kids that show up here at seven o'clock on, on the, in the morning and stay until six o'clock that evening. Can you imagine? And, uh, and, and so it's been such an upheaval and such a change. And, and, uh, and then you begin to wonder, well, who can we believe? Which expert can we really trust? Because how differing the experts are in all the issues. And, and we begin to wonder who's really telling the truth because we've reached that stage where we assume that we're being lied to. And yet, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Scripture tells us many times of similar stories, uh, actually even worse because it would ultimately involve the relocation of an entire nation of God's people. And so that was definitely a fearful situation, just as today is a fearful situation. And whenever we are faced with such fear, I think it's crucial that we return back to the root of our faith, the real foundation of our faith. If we're going to be people of faith rather than people of fear, then we have to get back to the foundation. 
and uh, to return back to the root of what you believe. In Jeremiah 7, there's a story that was asking the question, and this is a, an actual event of what are you trusting or who are you trusting? And, and that's something we've called into question about every aspect of our lives today. Who can we really trust? What information can we really trust? And especially when we have such an onslaught of information, what can we really trust? In, in Jeremiah 7, the Lord spoke. So these words are important. And he gave a message to Jeremiah and so Jeremiah was to speak on God's behalf to the people. And God gave him the exact words that he wanted him to share. And so he told him to go to the entrance of the Lord's temple. I'm reading out of Jeremiah 7. And give this message to the people. O Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it, all of you who worship here. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, and I've always been fascinated when that phrase is used, it's almost like, and it's almost like God is saying, hey, I can back up my words. I've got what I need to back up everything that I'm saying. The God of Israel says this, and here's what God had to say. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, and boy, did they have some evil ways. And they were in a horrible shape spiritually. They were doing horrendous things. And, and God was saying, even now, if you will quit your evil ways, even now, if you repent, I will let you stay in your own land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They have lulled themselves into a false sense of security that as long as God's temple was there, nothing could touch them. And God was basically saying, oh man, you certainly have missed it because it's not about the temple. It's about me. He says, don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here, but I will be merciful only, only if you stop your evil thoughts. Wow, let that one sink in for a moment. Not just your actions, but just your evil thoughts. If you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Sounds familiar. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners. Hmm. Orphans and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. And if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. This all sounds way too familiar. A message our own land needs to hear. Then, only then, will I let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. And God said through Jeremiah, don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. 
It's a lie. Do you really think you can steal and murder and commit adultery? Lie and burn incense to Baal and all those other new gods of yours? And then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant we are safe only to go right back to all those evils again. Don't you yourselves admit that this temple which is, bears my name has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on here. I, the Lord, have spoken. And when God speaks, you had better listen. You had better pay attention when the word of the Lord is spoken. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So my question to you is, what is it you are hoping for? Or is your hope in an increase in your bottom line, an increase in your retirement fund? Is that where, where your hope is placed? Is your hope, though, rather, is it in the Lord? Is your hope in the things to come from God? Is your hope in your eternal home in his kingdom? He says, your faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Well, then that eliminates all the stuff I can see. So it's not talking about my bank account. It's not talking about my retirement fund. It's not talking about my possessions. It says it's the evidence of things we cannot see. He says, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, now watch this. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. By, by faith, we believe that. Now, why is it by faith? Well, well, we weren't there when it happened. We didn't hear God speak the words. We didn't see it being formed out of nothing. So it's by faith that we accept that. And then he says, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So when you look at the stars, the heavens at night, when you see this planet, when you walk through the woods, when you're out on a lake, everything that you see was made from something that could not be seen, from God himself, from God's holy word. And so my hope, if it's going to be a, a faith life and not a fear life, must be placed in things that I cannot see. And so whenever anybody feels like they've got to have scientific evidence about creation, the most scientific I can get is the three words that begin the scripture, in the beginning, God. I put my hope, I put my faith in those three words. Because everything that I see, everything that I experience was created from things that could not be seen. The faith described here involves the most solid possible conviction that the God-given present assures a future reality. 
God's presence in us today gives us an assurance of a future reality, which is to be with him for all eternity in his kingdom. So his presence here today is a reality of the future. The, the Jewish nation had forgotten that and they thought as long as we got this building right here, this temple, we're okay to do anything we want. And God says, you have put your faith in the wrong place. That's why we don't worship buildings. That's why we don't put a lot of stock in real estate. That, that's why, well... We trust in God alone, period. You see, by faith, each example that's given through the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, true saving faith works in obedience to holy God. So the physical universe and its operation and how it works was formed out of something that could not be seen. And that was the word of the Lord. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and Paul was encouraged by Timothy's faith. And so he said to him, and I think these words apply to us today. He said to Timothy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you, when I ordained you, when I set you apart for the ministry Fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and a self-discipline. You see, you go back to Jeremiah 7 and apply that. God told them all those things that they needed to stop doing, and one of them was evil thoughts. The implication is you have what it takes to stop. And so when I read 2 Timothy, I'm hearing the same thing. God has given me a spirit of self-discipline, so he's put in me what it takes to stop with evil thoughts. And so when I say I can't help what I think, you're actually calling God a liar. Because God says, oh, yes, you can. I've given you that power, that ability I've given you a power, I've given you a love, and I've given you a self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, oh, so it's his strength. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So here's the deal. When you're in the midst of the chaos... And we are in some chaos. When you're in the midst of the chaos, I believe what the scripture is telling me, I need to focus on what really matters. And God is saying to me, Don, fan into flames the spiritual gifts I've already put in you and live in this chaos through those gifts. In other words, do what you ought to be doing regardless of the circumstances. And I have empowered you with spiritual gifts 
And I did not put a qualifier in there that says, use this only when everything and the conditions are right. I did not give you those spiritual gifts to utilize when everything's going good. I gave them to you to utilize regardless of the circumstances. And so just like Judah and Israel was in a desperate spiritual vacancy, a void. They were in desperate need of God's truth to be spoken. And just as we as a country are in such chaos today, our country is in desperate need for God's people to fan into flames the spiritual giftedness he's put into each of us so that we will have the strength to share the good news. Because I want to tell you, people are desperate for good news right now. This power that God gave, he gave to every believer when they accepted Jesus in their life. He gave you the power to face every tribulation. He gave you the power to face every threat. He gave you the power to face any attack that comes your way. He gave you the self-discipline to do what you ought to do and to not do what you shouldn't do, even in your thought life. He gave you that power. He gave you a love that goes beyond understanding. He gave you a love to love those who hate you, despise what you stand for, ridicule for any statement you would ever make about God or your faith. He has given you the ability to love those who differ with you politically. He's given you the, I mean, let's face it. What do you think God has called you to do? Change someone's political mind or change their mind about Jesus? What do you think God's really called us to do? To get people to line up with how we view things or to get them to line up with holy God? What has God really called us to do? That's why we must fan into flames our spiritual gifts. And our gifts are meant to be used for sharing the love of Jesus to a world that desperately needs that love. You know, as we come to communion today, I think it's a great opportunity. Well, first and foremost, we're reminded that when we share the Lord's Supper, that we are being reminded that his body was freely given by him to be brutalized and crucified for our sake. And when we drink the fruit of the vine, It's a reminder that his blood, he freely gave his blood so that we would not have to give ours and it would pay the price for our sins and satisfy the wrath of holy God for sin. And it reminds us of the new covenant that Jesus established when he gave us the communion. This new covenant that he established 
between us and holy God because of what he was willing to do for us. And so my challenge to you is use this communion as a reminder, but then also use it to ask yourself the question, what am I going to do for him because of what he did for me? Am I going to fan the flames of my spiritual gifts for the sake of the gospel to a country that desperately needs to hear it? Let's pray.